0: Your spouse has had an affair maybe you found out because you stumbled onto something maybe you pried and snooped just a little bit and discovered that way maybe some friend of yours called you and told you this is what's happening no matter how you found out it hurts i don't know if you've yet confronted your spouse or not but i know some of the feelings that you're feeling right now betrayal deep deep hurt wondering what's wrong with me why can't you love me just as i am all kinds of things like that and in that anger maybe trying to figure out do i want to stay in this marriage or do i not as a matter of fact you might be thinking i don't know if i have a choice about whether i can stay in this marriage or not because as soon as i confront my spouse about what he or she has done or maybe you've already confronted your spouse about what he or she has done, and you may have heard an answer that didn't make you happy at all. Like, yeah, I'm doing that, and I don't want to be married to you anymore. Or, on the other hand, maybe you, if you had done the confrontation, heard, yes, I did what was wrong. I'm so terribly sorry, but I want to work it out. I want to save the marriage. So what do you do? And here's the real question. Should you? Should you stay married if your spouse has had an affair, or should you just get rid of him or her? I mean, what's the likelihood that he or she'll do it again? What's the likelihood that you can ever have a good marriage after this? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Radio. Sometimes we just call it the Dr. Joe Show. Let me point out a few things to you as you make a decision about whether or not you wish to stay in a marriage after your spouse has had an affair. Now, if we talk about this, maybe I should qualify a couple of things to begin with. There are at least three different kinds of affairs. Let me go through these, if I may. The first is what we call a short-lived affair. Now, there are several subheadings to that, but a short-lived affair basically means it was not about a relationship with the other person. It was about sex. And it may have been a one-night stand. It may have been one that lasted a little bit longer than that, a few weeks even, or even a few months. We still call those a short-lived affairs because of the fact that they will end relatively quickly. They're not about being, quote, in love, and and we'll stop the quote there with the other person. It's actually about the situation, the circumstance, and so it might come from ego. It might come from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It might be flirting that got out of hand. It might be something that's a result of, well, drinking or something else like that. Sometimes we even see them occur because of vengeance. You know, you hurt me, and I'm going to hurt you. There's a second kind of affair, and that's what we call the allowed affair. And the allowed affair is when a person has permission from his or her spouse, I should say, to be involved with someone else sexually. I mean, they used to call it swingers back in the day. Now it's called the lifestyle. Way back when, it was called wife-swapping. But it means we have what's called an open marriage where you can sleep with people and i can sleep with people you might be thinking well why would you even mention that people who are in those situations don't really care if the other person if the other spouse is involved with someone else and well, that's not necessarily true they still can feel very badly about it if it becomes more than sexual in other words we're having the allowed affairs you can sleep with other people if you wish but now My spouse has become emotionally connected to the other person, and it really, really hurts. Then there's a third kind of affair, and that's what we call the relationship affair. Typically, it starts off as a friendship. It does not intend at the outset, most of the time, does not intend at the outset to be sexual. But two people start talking to each other. They start becoming friends, and they start sharing things after a while that actually goes a little bit beyond friendship telling their deep dreams about what they wish to do in life, their deeper fears about what they are afraid of in life, the things they're happy with, the things they're not happy with, and they become emotionally, emotionally closer and closer and closer. Sometimes it doesn't turn physical, and that's typically what people refer to as an emotional affair. Yes, I connected to him or her very strongly. As a matter of fact, thought about being with him or her, but it didn't become sexual. Of course, many times it really does. It does become sexual. And when it does, obviously, now this intense emotion they have for each other has crossed into a realm that's full-fledged adultery. As a matter of fact, you might be thinking, well, I think that an emotional affair is adultery, and you certainly can call it that. I wouldn't argue with that at all. But whichever of the three it was, whichever of those it might be, have you thought about whether or not you really want to stay in the marriage. I mean, I'm assuming that's why you're listening to this, because the title of this is, Why Should I Stay Married After My Spouse's Affair? And you might be thinking, I don't need to. And the answer to that is, you're right. You don't need to. You see, if your spouse has been unfaithful to you, you really are in the driver's seat. You can make the decision as to whether to go, Or to stay, whether to get rid of him or her. I mean, you can see an attorney file for the divorce and say, I've got all the grounds in the world I need. If you're a religious person, particularly if you're part of Christianity, even the most conservative Bible churches typically say, well, yes, if he or she has been unfaithful to you, if they have sexually violated uh, uh, this covenant, then, yeah, you can definitely divorce him or her for that. And so probably you can have legal backing, you can have a religious backing, you can have the emotional backing of her friends. As a matter of fact, your friends and family might even be telling you, you know, you need to get out of this. You need not to stay with him. As a matter of fact, some of them might even be saying you need to punish him or punish her for what they did to you by being unfaithful. Is that what you're going to do? You see, the very fact that you're listening to this tells me that there's a possibility if not a probability that you really would like to stay in the marriage, even though you are definitely deeply hurt. So what would be the pros? If you can salvage this, if you can work this out and save the marriage, what would be the advantages? Well, one is, and by the way, you might not like this answer when I give it. So please hear it all together before you react to me negatively. One is that, you actually can have a better marriage in the future than you had in the past. Now, wait a minute before you get angry, listen to me. Not because of the affair, but because of the wake up call that came because of the affair. Indicating, wait a minute, we didn't have all that I thought we did. Not not just you thinking or understanding that, but your spouse who has strayed thinking or understanding that, You know, our marriage might've been good, might've been mediocre, might've been mad. And if it were bad, obviously we can see more justification in that person's mind as to why he or she did what they did. But no matter whether it was bad, mediocre, or good, what we know, and when I say we, I'm talking about those of us who work with marriages. What we know is that if you can get past this, if you can resolve the problems and deal with the issues, As a part of that, you may very well need to look at what was not working as well as it should have beforehand. And when you do that, when you work those things out, you indeed, in spite of all the hurt and pain you have right now, can have a closer, deeper, more meaningful, more emotionally connected relationship in the future than you had before the affair occurred. You understand, I'm not saying that people should go have an affair so they can have a better marriage. That'd be ridiculous. What I'm saying is that this terrible thing that caused you so much pain can actually become the springboard to making the marriage that you really should have had to begin with and that you could have. Now, even as I said that, you may have been thinking, well, wait a minute. I thought it was wonderful the way it was, and it was really a great marriage, and it may have been But there was still something lacking, something that it needed to have that it didn't. And I'm not saying it's your fault. Please help us understand. I am not about to justify your spouse's affair by indicating in any shape, fashion, or form that you did something that caused it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that since no marriage is perfect, then you can look at this and say, well, let's figure out what was not as fulfilling as it should have been. And from there, let's figure out how to go on and make this marriage be what it needs to be. So what is one of the pros? Actually, it's a big one. It's that if you two work this out and make this marriage, what it's supposed to be, it will be much better in the future than it was in the past. Now, if you're thinking I'm being Pollyannish, no, wait a minute, that doesn't really happen. I can assure you that it does. We have worked with thousands upon thousands of marriages. And even though I don't have them right here in the studio with me where I can put them on the air right now, I could literally bring through here hundreds upon hundreds of couples who could tell you that the affair was one of the most devastating, painful things that ever gone through. But because they worked it out, because they solved their problems and made their marriage what it's supposed to be, they really are much happier now than they were before there's a second reason. And that is if you've been together for a while and for a while might be two years, it might be 25 years. i be more people where it's been 50 years before the affair occurred. You really want to make the time that you've spent together beforehand be worthwhile. What I mean by that is this, if you decide to go ahead and divorce each other, if because your spouse has been unfaithful, you say, that's it, I'm done. I'm divorcing you. It doesn't negate all those years that you had together, but it does definitely bring the end to them, which means that the things that you could reap in the future from all those years you spent together in the past will not occur. If you're saying, what do you mean by that? I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, think about it this way. Think of all the seeds you planted for life. For example, the things you thought you were going to do when finally you retired. Maybe if you have children, the children you've had together and have raised them so far, whatever their ages might be, whether it's 2, 12, 22, or 32, it doesn't make any difference. That the fact that when you actually get older in life and get nearer the end of life, you were looking forward to having your grandchildren on your knee and spending time with your kids when they were grown in ways that you couldn't when they were very small. And not only that, but all the experiences that you've had together that make you understand each other in all kinds of ways, why throw all those things away? Why give up all those years? And so if you decide that you want to salvage this, and if both of you do the things that that are required, I should say, to salvage this, then, yes, you actually can maintain the good that was to being that was beginning to be developed in those years and was developed in those years so that they don't all just go away and become a distant memory, but actually become part of the fabric of your life now and in the future, a life you can share together. So that it's not wasted years in any shape, fashion or form, but actually, well, I've already used the word, the seeds for the life you'll have together after this. And if indeed you do have children, and I realize not everybody listening to me as a child, but if indeed you do have children, staying together is of great benefit to them, no matter what age they are. You see, we at Marriage Helper actually have a division of our nonprofit called WhatAboutMe.org and WhatAboutMe.org is for kids and it's for kids of all age groups. Helping them deal with the angst, the fear, the anger, the frustrations, even, believe it or not, the guilt they feel when their parents divorce. You say, why would a child feel guilty? Because many times they, in their childish minds, begin to think somehow this is my fault. Somehow I did this. And all those other emotions I talked about are real. Now, if you're saying, if you're thinking I'm saying, are you saying, that, hey, Joe, that my child's future is ruined and destroyed if we divorce my answer is no it's not a child can be resilient a child can overcome but believe it or not there is still scar tissue there is still pain that is there in our workshops that we do for marriages in crisis which are three days of intense workshops where we put up to 25 couples at a time into this workshop and we go through a lot of things in those three days. Like I said, it's very intense. Interestingly, by the way, our success rate over the years has been three out of four couples. Three out of four couples actually turn their marriages around and make their marriages last. But in that workshop on Saturday afternoon, we ask a question about childhood. And many people answer that question by talking about their own parents' divorce and how it affected them and how it still affects them in various ways to this day. I've heard people up to 75 years old talk about that. And just the other day, I was talking to a person about our new program to help kids whose parents are divorced or divorcing. And he said, surely you're going to have some things in there for adult kids, right? I mean, like in their twenties and thirties, because I still see things that my kids are dealing with because of the divorce that my wife and I had. So are you going to include them in this thing that you're doing? And the answer is yes, yes, eventually we will start with the younger kids but we'll have things for them as well what i'm trying to tell you about this is (laughs) kids definitely do have a negative that come into their lives if their parents divorce yes they can do the right things and we will help them do the right things to recover and still have good lives but that does not take away the negative impact of losing their parents because mom goes here and dad goes there, and sometimes mom remarries and sometimes dad remarries, and and all kinds of things come later in life—not just the things that affect the kids when they're smaller, like when they're still living at home. So let's say up through high school, but things that affect them even later in life when they wind up married and they wind up having children, and they've got to decide who's home do we go to for Thanksgiving, who's home do we go to for Christmas? How do we even all this out? Oh, and interestingly if they're even going to stay married themselves. I was just reading research the other day, fascinating research indicating that even if the parents, even if the parents wound up being amicable, friendly, like each other after the divorce, it still tends to have a greater propensity among their children to divorce. Well, there are all kinds of things. I'm just telling you right now that you can have a better marriage than you had before. And, you can not lose the years you had together but actually use those as a springboard into a greater life together and you can actually benefit your children now there are many other reasons as well if you're religious you can see how it affects your church for example if you are into what happens to society and how everybody around is affected by whatever anything whatever anybody does then yeah, it's all kinds of benefits to society there because people who work out their marriages actually cost less money to the community. Yeah, believe it or not, when people divorce, the community actually loses money in the process. Don't have time to explain all that now, but you can probably Google it and find it. I'm telling you that there's all kinds of negatives that come if you divorce, and so the pros would be offsetting those. Well, I gave you three, but there are many more than those three. But now if you're thinking, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Are there some cons if we stay married? Yeah, there are. One is you're hurt. I mean, the fact that your spouse has betrayed you, that he or she has been involved with someone else, that's pretty painful. And it's not going to go away immediately. You'll have to work through that pain. As a matter of fact, you'll actually go through a grief process. If you've ever read about the grief process that people go through when they realize that they're dying You'll go through a very similar grief process. It's a death in a sense, and that is a separation, a separation between you and your spouse. And even if you work it out and stay together, that doesn't mean that pain instantly goes away. You'll still go through that grief process because even if you salvage the marriage, you have lost something that was very important to you. Now, what you need to hear, though, is that that pain you're going to have whether you salvage the marriage or not. But I'm just trying to tell you that if you stay together, it's still going to hurt. It doesn't make that go away just like it's definitely going to hurt if you wind up apart and If you decide to stay married, one of the negatives are going to be that you'll actually have to learn how to trust him or her again, and he or she will have to go through some actions to prove trustworthiness. In other words, they may have to make available to you for the next year or so their cell phones so you can see who they've talked to, who they've texted. It may be that they have to give you the passwords of some things on their computers. In other words, you will for a while. And by the way, you can't do this forever. It's very negative if you do, but up to a year, you may need all kinds of proof. I need to know where you were. I need to know what you spent. I need to know who you were with. And those kinds of things can be both tedious to your spouse as he or she tries to prove that they are now trustworthy, but also tedious to you because you'll be sort of expecting the other shoe to drop thinking, well, maybe this is going to happen again. And you might find yourself overreacting to things that are really relatively innocent. Like, for example, you may see your husband speaking to another woman at church, and the first thing you think is, what's going on? Or you may see your wife being just a little bit flirty with some guy at the restaurant, which is really relatively innocent, but because of what's happened, you will be thinking, oh my goodness, is she after him? And so, yeah, those things will happen. That learning how to trust again, and the fear of it happening again. And also, by the way, if you have family or friends that are really angry at your spouse because he or she did this to you, then many of them are going to be saying, you need to divorce him. You need to divorce her. And if that's your best friend, or if that's your mom or your dad, if it's your brother or your sister, people that really matter to you, then yeah, there can be some pretty negative consequences to you in that they'll be telling you that you're a fool perhaps or or look at you like you don't have any sense or maybe even distance themselves from you for a while because they don't like the decision that you made and may even treat your spouse if you decide to work this out and save your marriage in some ways that are kind of negative. So all of those things can happen and those are the cons. But if you've listened to what I've talked about, can you see that the pros actually far outweigh those cons? So, should you? Now, if you're thinking, "Wait a minute, I've heard what you said, but this certainly doesn't, doesn't does not answer all my questions," I can understand. If you're thinking, "Is he or she going to do it again?" Then you need to ask yourself a question: Is my spouse a good person who did a bad thing, or is my spouse a bad person who did a bad thing. For example, if they have multiple affairs, I mean, one after another, after another, after another, you might be thinking to yourself, I've put up with this before. It's happened before. I can't handle happening again. And and I would certainly understand your thinking that. But even then, even then you might stop and ask yourself this question, is he or she a good person doing a bad thing or a bad person doing a bad thing? If you decide that this is a bad person, that the person I marry is just not a good person, that, that he or she doesn't have the same morals that I have, doesn't have the same belief and value system that I have, as a matter of fact, who knows what he or she'll do next because, well, just because of the fact that it's all about them, it's extremely selfish, they don't care about anybody else. If you decide that he or she's a bad person, really, truly a bad person, then it may make a whole lot more sense not to try to salvage this than to salvage it. If you're thinking why, because if they truly are a bad person and you hear how I'm describing a bad person here, a person that will never, ever in your estimation, care about what you think or feel, or even what your children will think or feel, but is so self-centered. It's all about him, all about her and will be forever. Then trying to work it out, is just going to be a very miserable thing for you. But let me put a caveat to that. If on the other hand, If your spouse is currently behaving selfishly and currently violating moral standards and beliefs currently being that quote unquote bad person, but you know that that's not who he or she really is, that there's a period of time right now where he or she's acting like that. But you know that deep inside, that's not the person that your wife is or that your husband is then I would suggest you consider him or her a good person doing a bad thing. And if indeed that good person is still in there, if you've seen that person before, if you know that at heart your person, your husband, your wife is good, even though what they're doing now is bad, then maybe, just maybe, they're worth rescuing. And if you fight for this marriage, if you stand for it, you can rescue that good person within and he or she will eventually come back. Well, another question you need to ask yourself, of course, is do I love my spouse? I may not love what he or she's doing right now. And there may be days right now when I wonder if I love him or her at all. That's understandable. But deep down inside, did you love him or her up until you discovered the affair? And if indeed you could put your marriage back together, do you feel that you would love him or her again? Well, those are some pretty good reasons to want to make the marriage work. Now, if your spouse is saying, okay, I'm so terribly sorry I did it. I I know I hurt you. Let's work this thing out. And you see, or at least believe, that your spouse is a good person who did a bad thing. And you realize that the pros outweigh the cons, then I would strongly urge you to do what it takes to to make this marriage work, even if your best friend, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, even if those people are saying, no, no, you shouldn't do this because he or she has hurt you too badly, let it go, I suggest that you don't listen to them. Why? Because they love you too much. And because they love you as much as they do, their advice is not going to be unprejudiced. It's just not. It's because he or she hurt you. They really want to see him or her hurt and want to see you away from that person that did that pain to you. And so their advice will be pretty prejudiced. But if you love your spouse, if you know that he or she is a good person inside who right now is doing a bad thing, if he or she is saying, I want to save the marriage, I strongly suggest that you do. If you say, how do we do that? Well, we'll be glad to help. If you haven't been to our website, please do. It's Marriage Helper. That's Marriage Help E-R, MarriageHelper.com. And you'll see a lot of different articles there to help you understand what happened. You'll see uh, various podcasts that'll help you. We also, we also have what's called a reconciliation toolkit, which is relatively inexpensive. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and that toolkit is relatively inexpensive, and it actually gives you some things to work through together as husband and wife, to go through these things so that you can actually make the reconciliation work. Or, or if you think there's some other things you really still need to deal with, like I need to understand why my spouse did what he or she did, or maybe my spouse needs to understand why he or she did what they did. Then I strongly recommend you check into our nine one one workshop for marriages in crisis. You can find out about it on our website, of course, or you can give a call and talk to one of my associates people that I trust, that I work with every day, by calling 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161 and say, I want to talk to somebody about that three-day intensive workshop to see if we can put our marriage back together. As a matter of fact, if you're hesitant, if you're thinking, maybe I'm going to forgive my spouse, maybe I'll put it back together and he or she's asking me to do that, then the workshop is something I really urge you to do. Because by the end of that three day workshop, you'll pretty well know whether you want to make this thing work or not. And if you do how to do it. Now, I realize that you may be listening to this and saying, I wish my spouse were wanting to come home. I wish my spouse were wanting to save the marriage, but right now he is head over heels in that new lifestyle. Either meaning that he's out drinking, carousing, or he, she's out drinking, carousing, doing things they haven't done before, or that he or she is, quote, head over heels in love, end quote, with another person. I suggest that you go back through our podcast. You can find them on Spreaker.com. You can also find them on MarriageRadio.com. And if you can't find the one you're looking for, you can just contact us directly by emailing frontdesk at marriagehelper.com that's front desk at marriage help e r marriagehelper.com and say i'm looking for a podcast on and this is the word you're looking for you can look for it on our site you can look for it in podcasts it's called limerence l-i-m-e-r-e-n-c-e limerence it's a state of being quote madly in love end quote with another person I don't have time to go through that in great detail here. I have done several podcasts on it, and I hope that you listen to some of those where I explain what Limerick says. It is this intense emotion where the person feels that they've never had this kind of relationship with anybody else, never felt this way about anybody else, and it may be that's what your husband or wife feels right now toward their affair partner. Without taking time to explain it in detail, because you can find the other podcasts I've done on it, or the articles I've done on it in, on our website, marriagehelper.com. And again, you can go to MarriageRadio.com to look for the Limeridge podcast. Let me just tell you this: It always ends. Very, very few people will ever wind up, for example, married to the person they're Li's in. Now, if they're two single people, then, yeah, they may go through limerence to marry each other. But if I'm married to Alice and wind up in limerence with Sally Sue, even to the point where I want to end my marriage with Alice, I want out of that. I mean, it's over. I'm done. And you know, all those kinds of things, thinking I'm going to wind up marrying Sally Sue, very seldom does that ever occur. Very seldom. It's very rare and for the ones that actually do wind up married to each other, the divorce rate is up like in the 80 percentile. Why? Well, again, I don't have time to explain all that here, but let me just maybe encapsulate it this way. Limerence is a state of feeling such intense emotions, but a lot of it's driven by the chemicals taking place in one's brain. And it is a biological necessity that it finally comes to an end. People can't live like that forever. And when it does come to an end, people start realizing what they've lost, what they've given up. Now, even though your spouse may be telling you right now, I'm done with you, I don't want anything to do with you, even saying mean and negative things to you, which by the way is part of their rationalization for being able to do what they're doing, even rewriting history, not remembering the good things with you, but only the bad, whatever they might've been even if they're having a halo effect where they can see no flaw in this other person that they're involved with, all of that eventually will end. Now, if you believe that the person inside is still a good person doing a bad thing, if you believe that if once your husband or wife gets past that leverage, if they were to come back home, and you put the marriage back together, and solve your problems. It would make a better marriage than you had before, which by the way, it will. And that you then don't lose all those years you had together, but actually can build on them on them in the future. And you can. And if in the long run it becomes the best benefit to your children, if you have them and it will, then it's worthwhile to stand for your marriage. Everything you, but Hey, wait a minute, Joey, or she doesn't want to come back. Well, what am I standing for? I mean, this is hopeless. This is useless. And I'll guarantee you there are any number of people in your world that will tell you just that, that it is hopeless, that it is useless, that you're foolish for doing this. If you had any sense, you'd go ahead and divorce. And in that divorce, you would take him or her for everything you can, causing as much misery as possible and and punish them for these actions. That's what the people around you will tell you. But I've worked with thousands of couples I have seen the people who have stood, even against all hope, when everybody else around them was telling them, don't do it. I've seen many of those marriages put back together, particularly if after, like what I just described, the limerence is taking place, particularly after the limerence begins to fade. And I've seen them have amazing marriages now. Amazing. Can I promise you that you'll have that? And the answer is no. I can't promise you that, obviously, but I can tell you that it's possible. Now, it's up to you. The question for this whole program is, why should you stay married after your spouse's affair? I've talked about the three different kinds of affairs. I've talked about whether or not your spouse is sorry and wants to come back, but I've also talked about whether your spouse is still, you know, doing everything he can to go the other direction or she can to be with the other person. It's still your choice. Now, if he or she wants to come back, I'll say again, please seriously consider doing that, but make sure that you do the right things to put it back together again, where it's going to take a long time and it's going to be, uh, it's going to have a lot of pitfalls in the process. So at the very least get a reconciliation toolkit much more, which would be much better. I should say is come to our nine one one workshop, which you can find out about, about calling, um, 615-47-2161. 615 47 1161 If your spouse is headlong going the other way and it looks as if there's no hope, please go to our website. There's a lot of articles and podcasts there for you. There's also a course. It's called Save My Marriage. It's a 10-week online course that you can take that'll tell you the right things to do that if anything works, this will. If anything works, this will. And that 10-week course will tell you all the things to do. Again, I can't guarantee you that it'll bring him or her back. But those things we talk about in that 10-week course are things that are gonna make you a better person. That are the most likely things to bring your spouse back and save this marriage. And if he or she doesn't come back, the things you need to know for the future relationships that you might have. No, I'm not trying to marry you off to somebody else. I'm just saying... If he or she doesn't come back, those are still valid and valuable principles for your future. Well, I hope this has helped you in the process of making up your mind. Obviously I cannot make your decision for you, nor would I because I don't have to live with the consequences of your decision. But just as you should not let me make that decision for you, please don't let your friends and family make that decision for you either. Think it through carefully. Decide what it is you want to do. If you like, take him back or her back, let us help. If, let us help. You can find us on Marriage Helper, marriagehelper.com, or by calling 615-472-1161. I actually have strong hope for your future. I hope you do as well.